Hello everyone. Hopefully we didn't scare anyone with the new intro sounds. They're still a work in progress, so let us know if you have any suggestions. Thanks to everyone who gave us a review or shared the show with their friends or on social media. If you haven't done it yet, join the club. Reviews and shares help us grow. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Performance Cycling Podcast. I'm Todd Norwood here with my co-host Jason Hammond. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. I know another episode separated by the internet here. So our usual apologies if there's any technical hiccups. I think we're doing a pretty good job, but as technology always is, sometimes it breaks down on you when you least expect it. Sure. So, yep, we got that out of the way. Let's get started on the episode. We'll jump right in. And this episode actually is a topic request from Jason. He got in touch with us on Twitter. And on that note, if you have a topic idea or you have something that you want us to talk about, uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at PerfCyclingPod because they wouldn't let me use Performance Cycling Podcast. Whereas our email, you can also get us get in touch with us there, is PerformanceCyclingPodcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. We also have a contact form on our landing page for our website that'll be in the show notes if somehow you don't have a Twitter and you don't have an email. You can use that method to contact us as well. And I think this topic in particular is, it brings up a lot of good discussion points. And that would be the goal is um, getting in touch so that we understand the areas that you want to learn more about and also touch on good talking points that may just be beneficial for all of us to have some more knowledge in. All right. So spill the beans here. What are we talking about today? So Jason in particular, first off, great name. I want to put that out there first. Um, so he wants to know about info on how to optimize his cycling fitness with five to six hours a week of training time. That's all the time he has to train. And he wants to specifically focus on improving his FTP. And in particular, he does he does about an hour time trial on Zwift as his metric for his FTP. And so he'll look at his average wattage over this 55 to one hour uh, time trial, which that's ambitious. I don't think I would do that personally, but he wants to see improvements in that. And basically, how can I do that? But I, I only have five or six hours a week. What's the best approach? All right. And it sounds like he's a smart trainer. So I think this can play a role in terms of getting some very specific training. In. But I know I'm probably getting ahead of the, the rest of the episode here. I think first we'll start off with, I want to emphasize the point of you know, we want to focus on optimizing cycling fitness on only five to six hours a week, but what does that really mean? So there are some people with really high FTP, there are some people with really high VO2 max, and they can't finish a three-hour road race. How useful is that FTP? How useful is that VO2 max? It depends on your event. Track sprinters, for example, I've beaten a few Olympic-level track sprinters in 15-minute races because they race for 15 seconds at a time and they, they can't do 15 minutes at a time. You wouldn't call them non-fit. They're just fit in a different way. So it's important to dive deeper into what you mean when you say, I want to have cycling fitness. And that's what I like about this prompt is we want to focus on FTP. And so we're going to dive into, you know, what does it take to improve your FTP? and really focus on that point. And that's especially important when you don't have as much time to train. Right, I think this is a very different discussion and maybe this is some follow-up podcast if you said, well, what's my training protocol if I wanna have 
the highest five second power output on five to six hours a week. It's a very different discussion. It's almost like comparing the fitness of a weightlifter to the fitness of a marathon runner. They're just different and it's not an apples to apples comparison. And while we're here, I think cycling is amazing because we can all be cyclists, but some of us can be marathon cyclists and some of us can be these sprint cyclists. And so that's really cool that the, the breadth of athletes that can participate in this sport. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the typical training model. We had a whole episode on periodization, and that's very standard for uh, the development of a cyclist. You would do this progressive overload. You Each mesocycle would be about four weeks, three weeks of training, one week of rest. And you would typically start your year with aerobic adaptations in base, and then you bring up the intensity slowly as you reach towards your event. There's this three to five month progression. And coaches, they'll typically use this training methodology for athletes, regardless of the total number of hours that they have for a given week. So if, for example, we say an athlete who has the capacity to do 15 hours a week of training, maybe that's 100% availability. So another athlete, maybe they only have 10 hours a week, they would do 66% of the same workload of that 15 hour a week athlete. And this is how coaches will scale for your particular time demands. And so maybe your base rides, if you only have 10 hours a week, are two hours instead of three hours for the 15 hour a week athlete, This the way this scales. But if we look at someone who only has five hours a week, they're not going to do a one hour endurance ride and just sort of, uh, you know, all right, well, we're done here. Let's go home. You, you don't really get the same aerobic adaptations. It's almost like there's no value in doing that one hour endurance ride. So the idea is we have to fundamentally change the way we look at someone who's doing only a few hours a week. We can't just scale down the intensity. We can't just scale down the total workload. We have to approach the, the whole training cycle a little bit differently. Yep. And that makes sense and is consistent with what we presented before on the different types of training and the different durations that you spend in a given training zone. We know for zone two sort of a ride that you have to be in that zone for quite some time to get the desired effect compared to say a zone six interval where you only need seconds to a minute or so to really get the desired effect yep so let's go over a few key concepts that we're going to talk about when it comes to not having a lot of time to train so the first one is individuality so each person responds to training differently we know that's true and we know that the adaptations that should be made to each workout, they should accommodate your particular individuality. So for example, for me in particular, my VO2 max goes up very quickly. So normally my coach and I, we would not do very many workouts at VO2 max, maybe three or four leading up into a race block. But actually most of the time I focus on my FTP and I focus on my four hour power because those are areas that I struggle to develop in as quickly. Other examples are a master's athlete who has years and years of base training. They may not need to do as many endurance rides. One, because maybe they're a crit rider, they don't need that, that long-term endurance as much. But two, they've developed that aerobic capacity over years and years of training that there's not as much benefit to doing that base training. So maybe they skimp on the base training and they focus on the high intensity work. The last example I have is a new rider. They should be focusing on more aerobic development. We know that from the long-term athlete development guidelines from USA Cycling. 
they they don't even recommend doing any anaerobic work until your third year of training and that's because it is so hard to develop your aerobic system and individually if you're a new rider maybe we should be focusing on your aerobic capacity so these are all examples of individuality i don't have the answer for you it's just that as you train you learn about the areas that come easily the areas that are more difficult and you can adjust your training for those specific uh, characteristics and some of that's actually genetically determined not that there's a perfect test that you can do but some some purport to be able to give you a good indication of what type of training you might respond well to maybe you'll have to go to your parents and ask them what their uh, what their best zone is to get an idea either that or you know spit on a stick and send it to the lab and see what it tells you. Sure, so two options there for you. Um, the next concept is specificity. So this idea, we've definitely talked about this in other episodes, is that we want our training to match our specific goal. So in this example, our rider is interested in maximizing their FTP. So the workouts that we do should work to improve the rider's FTP, whereas could be doing sprint intervals we could be doing these really long base rides are those going to specifically help with ftp we have to ask that question and we have to cater the workouts so that they do actually work on the areas that we want to see improvement in and this is especially true for athletes who have low total time because they don't have the time they don't have 15 20 hours a week to develop all these different systems they really need to focus on workouts that will directly benefit their goals and on this note specifically, cyclists with time restrictions generally won't be well-rounded cyclists. It's very difficult with six hours a week to get a good sprint, to work on your FTP, to be able to ride you know, four-hour road races strongly. It's, it's really difficult to be well-rounded in this way, not to mention even working on your speed skills like your cornering and um, your pack skills, things like that. All of these things, it takes a lot of time to work on these things. And so on the note of specificity, you need to be, you need to realize you're not likely to be a well-rounded cyclist in this scenario, particularly acknowledge that and say, okay, let's really focus on that one goal we have, which is my FTP. I think that's true of other areas in life in general. If you don't have a lot of time to focus on it, you're, you can't develop that skill in the same way, or you can't develop the breadth of skill with something. So I think it's very fair of the training. The other thing I think I'm, you may get to, but I'm going to have to ask you anyhow, is you know, we've said many times, and I know you're a big proponent of this, that even as you get up into FTP, the majority of that is actually coming from your aerobic base. So to me, this presents a conflict. If you have limited time to develop that aerobic base and you try to train specifically at FTP, potentially you're leaving something at the table. Sure. So yes, we are going to dive into particular workouts and digesting this particular problem. Um, but we actually have one more key point to make, which is taking a systematic approach to your training. Todd, you are a physical therapist, so you know this is true. It takes four to eight weeks of consistent work to see progress. Every physical therapist I've ever worked with, they say those exact same words. Well, it takes four to eight weeks, so you know your ankle's going to feel better soon. That's the key here is you can't just do one week of FTP intervals or you know, work on a, a few points and, and then say, well, why didn't my number go up? You, can't, you also can't test once a week and, and ask why the number didn't go up. Take those four to eight weeks of solid workouts and 
see what happens after that. And the, a realistic time frame for a progression would be something like three months. That would be the shortest realistic time frame. But you're really looking at like five or six months of serious training to see big improvements in whatever your goal is. And so we're going to start with the easier workouts. We're going to slowly progress. This is that systematic approach. If you want to learn more about it, I think periodization was probably, again, the, the best episode to illustrate that was just this systematic increase in intensity and this increase in your body's ability to withstand that workload. So those are the three points that I have, keeping those in mind as you work to develop the, the workout or the, the game plan for working on your specific goal. And so, yes, now we are going to jump into what can we do for this particular goal of improving FTP with the consideration that we don't have that much time to do it. So your anaerobic threshold, your FTP, is a combination of aerobic and aerobic work and the capacity to shuttle lactate. So if you think about it, the, the aerobic system should be working at full capacity. And then our anaerobic system is working at some capacity where it produces lactic acid. And that lactic acid is getting shuttled out in order to ensure the muscles don't get too acidic because we know muscle force goes down when the muscles are too acidic. And so FTP is this balance point where our aerobic system is maximally engaged and our anaerobic system is just able to shuttle the lactate, lactic acid out just at the same rate as we're producing it. And so actually anaerobic work is usually about 8% or I'm sorry, threshold is about 8% anaerobic. Um, it's different for different riders, but there is some anaerobic component, there is some aerobic component. And so if we're gonna train and focus on FTP, we should actually, we need to work on both the aerobic and aerobic systems. That's right. But the point I think you're making here is if it's 8% anaerobic, then it's 90 some odd percent aerobic, depending on who you are. Right, and so can we double our anaerobic capacity? Because that's an 8% increase in our FTP. Or is it easier to improve our aerobic system by 5% or 8% or on its own? That seems a lot more realistic to get some adaptations to our aerobic system than it is to get massive adaptations to our anaerobic system. Yes, just intuitively, if you said, you know, do you want to take your chances on improving one thing 5% or another thing 15 or 20% or doubling it even? I'm going to take 5% most days of the week, I think. Sure. A lot of our workouts should focus on this aerobic capacity if we're working on our FTP specifically. I think that for someone who doesn't have too much time, it's unrealistic to do a lot of base training, a lot, do a lot of zone two. And so we should be looking at tempo and above for our workouts because we can get those workouts done in under 90 minutes or under an hour and that can still give us a lot of aerobic stimulus. Right, and my assumption would also be that Jason doesn't have four hours to go right on Saturday if he only has five or six hours a week. So his total training time on any one day is probably constrained to 60 or 90 minutes, maybe two hours uh, at a stretch at some points. So we just can't get the ride duration to ever get a good benefit from a zone two type effort. Correct. So I sort of budgeted four times a week, 90 minutes per workout, whereas you could potentially do 
um, five times a week with a couple hour-long workouts and a couple 90-minute workouts. But one unique thing with not having as much time is you also don't have enough time to fatigue yourself too much. So worrying about recovery, as long as you follow good recovery principles, your, your muscles should always be strong for the workout, which is something that you can't guarantee when you're doing more hours. So, so that's something unique is we can lean into high intensity more because we know it's very likely that Jason will be recovered before the next workout. Right. And with a four day a week schedule, you can almost always have one rest day in between workout days. As, as long as you're eating enough, hydrating, all those things, your muscles should be fresh. And so we can attack these workouts pretty hard. Let's talk about a couple options to consider outside before we talk about some potential workouts or some potential workout plans. We did have an episode on explosive power work. And so we know explosive power improves oxygen efficiency, which is an important factor at FTP. So uh, explosive power improved runners 5K times by some 3%, and that was all efficiency-based. And as a little cheat sheet from the episode, a good protocol would be something like four sets of 20 to 30 box jumps, 20 alternating lunge jumps, or even one of the protocols called for five sets of 30-second sprints on the bike with, I think, a minute in between or something like that. And uh, you can go listen to the whole episode to better understand it, but... I think explosive power training could be a good option here if you don't have too much time because you could get these four sets of box jumps, four sets of alternating lunge jumps. You could get these done in half an hour and we know that replacing some of your endurance work with explosive power work, you don't see a drop off in your aerobic capacity, but you see improvements in your anaerobic capacity. So this could be a great option to decrease the total time of a workout for one day and get some good unique stimulus from it. And the other part, which I always bring up, particularly for cyclists, is that type of work doing explosive training like box jumps or lunge jumps or really any resistive exercise is really great for your bone density. And low bone density is something that we see commonly in cyclists. And the research indicates those cyclists who do some sort of resistance training tend to have better bone density than their cycling peers who do not. Yep. And I think the only downside to explosive power training is, you know, we are cyclists, we want to ride our bikes and sacrificing one day a week where we could be riding our bike in order to jump on a wooden box for half an hour. Yes, I understand that it's not quite as fun, but um, if we want to see the stimulus, this is a great option. So it is a balance of, you know, if a rider's not motivated to do the workout, there's no point in prescribing it to them. So if, if they really don't want to do explosive power training, don't make them, but it can be a bit of a shortcut to getting the stimulus that you want. So the other option to consider is single leg workouts. And we also did an episode on that. I was actually also able to uh, talk to Dr. Martin at the University of Utah, who does a lot of research in single leg cycling. And we know that single leg workouts improve the oxygen and metabolic efficiency of the muscles in the leg. And so the the muscles in the leg that's being worked will be able to use oxygen better. They will also be able to use glucose better in response to that training. So that could absolutely be beneficial for FTP. We know that oxygen utilization, very important to FTP. We know that glucose utilization, also very important to FTP because 
95 or 100% of the energy at FTP comes from glucose. So this seems like a great option for someone focusing on FTP. We also have sort of anecdotal evidence, non-published evidence from Dr. Martin that FTP may be the correct zone for single leg training stimulus response. We know that it doesn't have an effect on your VO2 max, but at lower intensities, it's likely it does have a pretty good effect. And obviously it's not published yet. And that's what's exciting about his research is maybe we will learn about that more, but um, a protocol that he gave me, and I, this, I think we talked about this in one of the pre-laps, was uh, four by four minutes at 65% of your VO2 max with only one leg. And so if you're doing this on a trainer, you would unclip the other foot and you'd put it on a stool or maybe rest it on the top tube. And um, if you're doing it outside, you would just let the foot rest on the other pedal. And this four by four minutes, and the, the cool thing about single leg is you can just switch legs that you're pedaling with. You don't need a rest period. And so this workout could be relatively short. You don't get too much aerobic fatigue, but you get a lot of that muscular fatigue in order to adapt and hopefully improve your FTP in response. You're saying four by four minutes per leg. So if I didn't rest at all, I just switched legs in between each one. I'm looking at 16 minutes per leg. So 32 minutes total, just over half an hour to put in that entire workout. Right. And, and then actually now we can move on to the next point, which is talking about some of these mesocycles that you might include in, in a potential um, periodization program. So the first rule is always start with 10, 10 minutes recovery zone as a warm up and end with at least five minutes in the recovery zone. I would like it to be 10 and 10, 10 on the front, 10 on the end. So we would be looking at 52 minutes for a single leg cycling protocol. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, I, that's that's right at our one hour goal for one of the shorter workouts uh, for Jason. So I have a couple sample mesocycles. So your first mesocycle, this would be uh, after your uh, after your recovery month and potentially after a few weeks of just riding around to get your body used to training again. I had this idea of two times a week you could do tempo. Uh, the first week, two by fifteen, potentially move up to two by twenty. And depending on the amount of experience you have cycling, maybe up to two by thirties, maybe not in the first month, maybe the second month of this mesocycle, you could go up to two by thirties and you would take some five or 10 minutes in between each of these sets. So 10 minutes on the front, five to 10 minutes in the middle, two by thirties. This is about a 90 minute workout. And this just gives you that it, it sort of simulates that base training, but we don't have time to do full base training. Um, so the 2x30s will give you that aerobic stimulus to try and stimulate some response in it. And on top of those two workouts, uh, once a week, if we, did the, if we did the single leg training workout uh, after a rest day in order to make sure your muscles are fresh enough to do that, and then potentially another day of 2x8 minutes at threshold. And that just gives you a little bit of a reminder of how hard threshold is. It, it puts you right in the zone where you want to be training and then potentially moving that up towards two by 12 minutes uh, throughout this mesocycle. And so what's our total weekly time look like there? Still, still well under our, or right around our six hour target. Yeah. So this should be about five or six hours, um, right at our goal. So depending on how much time in the threshold workout you spend, um, just riding around or cruising. 
two days of 60 to 90 minutes, one day of one hour, and then your threshold day, that's sort of uh, potentially we could add maybe an hour of zone two at the end of that to get right in that um, five to six hour zone. And then for the second mesocycle, right, the progression is to increase the intensity slowly over time. So we're going to drop down to once a week of tempo. And hopefully at this point, we've progressed to two by 30s, which I think two by 30s at tempo is going to be a bit of a bread and butter workout for someone who wants to work on their FTP because it is, it's, it's exactly 90 minutes. So it gives you that perfect length to not go too long on a single day, but it gives you 60 minutes at moderate aerobic intensity, which can uh, really induce a lot of stimulus. And so we're going to stick to that once a week. We're going to do once a week of explosive power training. That also, just like the single leg training, should be after a rest day to make sure you have enough um, muscle force to get the maximum stimulus from the explosive power training. And then once a week, do the threshold again. Uh, and this, again, is to remind your body of this is how hard we have to go and um, get used to sort of the pain of that. We definitely talked about this in some of um, in the uh, workouts for each training zone episode. It's hard to hold threshold. And, you know, some people say, oh, I'll do two by 20 minutes at threshold. They're probably doing two by 20 minutes at 95 percent of threshold. And so just getting used to holding that threshold, it's not just the physical pain, but like the mental ability to say, this hurts a lot, but I'm going to be okay. And we're slowly going to increase that time. And um, obviously the prompt here is, can we hold this eventually for 50 minutes or 60 minutes in a test setting? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, in training, let's just stick to two by 12 minutes. We don't need to push it too hard. And then the last workout for the second mesocycle would be some sort of VO2 max workout. And I say some sort as in we know some people respond better or are more more easily able to complete. Uh, for example, Todd does uh, 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off, uh, 13 of those in a row. And then I believe you said three minutes rest. Yeah, three minute, yeah, three minute rest in between. And doing that uh, two or three times over, depending on how much total time you want to spend in the zone very efficient workout in terms of time with 10 minutes in front and 10 minutes behind here just a touch over an hour my preference of uh, four by six minutes or sorry six by four minutes <laughs> something like that is a little bit longer but it gives you a more extended period of time in the zone depending on uh, what your preference is so the point of the vo2 max workouts would be to get a bit of that anaerobic training but also to just push yourself a little bit harder than threshold. So if we can hold VO2 max, then threshold doesn't seem quite as hard. And you know, we also get that good training stimulus of, of doing the VO2 max workout. Okay. So what does our third cycle look like here? Yeah, I'm so, intrigued at this point. So the third cycle, this is now um, maybe a month or two before the big test, the big event where you see how much higher your FTP is. So we've now ditched tempo because we are focusing on the higher intensities because our event, our test is a pretty high intensity. At this point, maybe we transition the tempo to two by 20 minutes at sweet spot in order to ramp up that intensity, get it a little bit closer. And also we now have the, the background and the experience to ensure that we can complete that two by 20 in a valuable way. We've built the aerobic capacity and now let's ramp it up and get that higher stimulus. 
the so so once a week two by 20 minutes at sweet spot once a week two by 12 minutes at threshold maybe up to two by 15 two by 18 at threshold and that is really um, a simulation of the event you're going to be doing so this threshold that's what you want to hold we just need to practice the the pain of it as as we've said third workout vo2 max workout whichever one of these you prefer that's to get that you know over the top stimulus if if we can go if we can do vo2 max for 25 minutes in a workout we can do threshold for 50 minutes and then the last one is actually working on your anaerobic capacity and so this one i put down four by 75 seconds full gas and that would be a sprint for 10 to 15 seconds and then you just hold for a minute as hard as you can and then take a, a three four minute break and then do it again and, and start with four move up to potentially six and that's to work to get just a month or two of this anaerobic capacity stimulus if we improve our anaerobic capacity by 20 percent, which might be possible especially if your anaerobic capacity is untrained we could see you know a two percent increase in your ftp which is is nothing to joke at if you only do this workout once a week so it's good to get that anaerobic capacity workout in let's just see what happens and the third mesocycle this is the time to get that intensity because you know we're getting ready for the event we're willing to do the high intensity work just before the peak i think that's a unique week you have there because even though it's only a six hour target week those workouts cumulatively are those are hard workouts right those are four pretty hard workouts in their own right given their duration now yes you can do longer interval sets you can do harder interval sets you can do more volume in a week there are all sorts of ways to work out harder than what you propose there but for six hours that's pretty high intensity for that low volume right so when i first uh, came up with this protocol i was thinking what really do we want to do here and this third mesocycle this is the stimulus we want we want to do some sweet spot we want to do the threshold we want some vo2 max we want some anaerobic capacity let's just do one of each but the question is how do we get there safely and how do we make sure the rider has the capacity to complete all these workouts and so that's what the first and second mesocycles do is they prime you they say okay let's just go a little bit harder this week a little bit harder this week until we get to the point where it's like yeah you're gonna do four really hard workouts in the same week and you're gonna do them three weeks in a row and then you're gonna have a rest week and then you move into the peak and that's uh, we spoke about peaks more in the periodization episode but you know do one time that week do one hard race simulation workout and then do two recovery zone workouts and then that next weekend go do your 50 minute climb 60 minute climb and see see how fast you can go yeah no i think it's it fits the plan it fits the approach of periodization it doesn't surprise me but those are hard workouts just at the end of the day those are hard those are four hard workouts that you'd be putting in in the week and if everything worked out the way it was supposed to lean up to that i'm not going to say it would be no problem it would be work but you'd be capable of completing that you know we we want to find that balance between and you don't have to follow this plan i i hope the ideas presented make sense for you to do uh to adapt the plan and create uh, something that works for you but 
yeah, we need to get this progressive increase in intensity and we need to be able to handle it. That's the other big thing. And I think uh, one thing that a lot of amateur riders don't like is the patience it takes to see this big increase in power. A lot of people, um, probably even I would say my younger self, they never liked to do the first mesocycle. Oh, why am I doing two by 15s at tempo? Like I was doing, you know, two by 20s at sweet spot last week. And it's like, well, let's just start slow. Let's just make sure you can handle everything. Let's make sure you're injury free. Let's make sure you're, you know, pedaling correctly. Everything's working out fine. And this progression, you have to be willing to play the game and, and go through it all to be able to get to the point where you can just really smash these four workouts and really get that stimulus. And hopefully your FTP is off the charts compared to what it used to be. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Cycling is a sport that takes a long time to develop in. And even within a single season, there's a big process. If you look at the elite riders, they don't show up to the Tour de France on a couple of weeks of training. They've been training for a long time. We talked in our periodization episode about athletes that prepare for an Olympic cycle, where they're looking at four years of training that they're trying to put together for one event or a few, a handful of events over a short period of time. So with that perspective, recognize that it's really a lot about consistency over time with your training and building up that stimulus over time so that your body adapts and makes the changes that ultimately lead to you being able to reach and hopefully crush your performance goals. Absolutely. I, th I think that was well said. And um, I, I do have a small list of other considerations. And this is more of a, like hacking the system than anything else. So uh, one idea is, I know Jason wanted to focus on FTP, but if you want to focus on watts per kilo as your metric, you could potentially try and lose some weight. Although in the third mesocycle that we mentioned, that, that would probably be pretty tough. You should, really should be uh, trying to stay fueled for, for your workouts. But for example, in the first or maybe even in the second mesocycles, if you lost five pounds, you know, lower the denominator, raise the numerator, and your watts per kilo will go up. So that could be a potential adaptation that you could make as a rider is, it wouldn't be hard for me to lose a bit of weight, so I'm going to make my workouts a bit easier and uh, work on the diet a bit to, to make it so I can lose some weight here. And that's one option. Another option is focusing on your nutrition. This isn't really an option, but this is something you should make sure you, you do. And you should be chock full of carbs on your workout days. You should be, rice should be popping out of your ears. All of these workouts are so carb heavy. And that's because they need to be a certain intensity. And our, our test, our FTP is also carb-based. And we are skimping on that fat metabolism because you should be able to have enough glycogen stores to do your FTP test with just your glycogen stores. So we don't really care about fat metabolism for this particular event. And we need to make sure we have all the carbs we need to get the stimulus in the training to get the response we want. On your workout days, make sure you have some 250, 300 grams of carbs. That's how many carbs you would be using during the workout. And that doesn't even include any carb use for the rest of your day, such as any brain intensive work or um, any, any other activities that you do throughout the day, um, even relatively sedentary activities like walking to the bathroom, things like that will use carbs. So 
you're on your workout days, your carb goal should be 400, 500 grams of carbs. And then on your off days, you want to make sure you get enough protein for recovery, but the carb demand isn't quite there. And so you shouldn't be eating no carbs, but don't try and hit that 400 to 500 gram goal on your off days. This idea of eating to match your workouts is something that you should take into consideration when you're planning out your workout plan. And uh, yeah, when, when you have the high intensity workouts, make sure you have enough sugar to actually finish them out. So I'm not going to push my uh, fasted riding agenda too much, especially because the value of fat metabolism here for this particular effort is not as high as it might be for greater endurance efforts. That said, there are some valuable aerobic improvements and efficiency improvements that you can get from doing some fasted riding. So essentially that's something you might throw in there. Again, probably in that first mesocycle where the intensity is relatively lower, uh, if you were looking to try to maybe combine getting some improvements in efficiency from a metabolic standpoint, as well as looking at some weight loss benefit there. Yeah, and I think it was um, Michael Hutchinson who, um, he was the British time trialist who was very fast. And I read his book and he, he said he could never get his body to put out more than 1400 calories in a single hour. And well, first off, that's like- That's a lot. <laughs> that's like 370 watts or 400 watts, I think, for a single hour. But, but the point being that he was limited by his fuel intake, if we're back to the nutrition point. And he actually said, because he was a time trialist, he was very focused on his FTP. He said he actually did some of these fasted riding and fat metabolism workouts, and he still was hitting that same 1400 calorie point, but he, you know, he did lab work and was able to show more of it came from fat, but the number didn't change. And so he considered it, you know, not useful for his needs, but it, it would be interesting if um, someone's building a workout plan for like an Ironman athlete, particularly, they, they absolutely need so much fat metabolism. So fasted riding may be more beneficial for them. Or a road racer, I think, you know, I need fat metabolism for, for the demands of my events. And so this goes back to the specificity point, which is I, I just don't know if fasted riding is specific enough for, um, for the hour demands and uh, the event demands. I think that's totally a fair argument. I think the, I, the only place I said I would push it would be in the first music cycle, potentially, if you were looking at something like that, especially if you're trying to change the denominator of body mass. Sure. And actually, uh, okay, and now I may even change my point. I think that it could be beneficial as that fifth day, if you can sneak an hour in on, on a fifth day. If, if you hit these four workouts and then one more day, you go out and do an hour one morning before breakfast. Yeah, it could give you maybe just a little bit more of that training stimulus that you want. All right. So it sounds like we both get to win on this one. Yeah. So there's potential for it or not, depending on the time and the capacity and the you know, how much you desire to change the denominator, perhaps, of the equation that we're working with. Yeah, so it's it's all a balance. And um, then we go back to the individuality of some people really struggle with those fasted rides, and it may sort of throw them out of balance for the rest of the day. And then you don't get that recovery that you wanted for the day for your next workout. Other people, uh, you know, they, they can handle it just fine. So this is, we're back to the whole pros know what they're doing because they've been doing it for 20 years. And 
you you need to take the time to learn what works for you and take good notes on you know what makes you a unique writer yeah absolutely take take notes record what happens get a good idea of what you respond to over time and then hopefully do more of the same and see a positive result from doing so of course more of the same to a point if you just keep doing the same thing indefinitely your body will stop adapting to the stimulus the same way so you have to have some variation and that's why we have periodization i think that's all i have for this specific goal so hopefully this can help you tackle on your own you could i guess follow uh, specifically the plan i laid out or you could use it to adapt your own it would be great if if someone tried it and and let me know if they got stronger or i mean hopefully you get stronger i, I think the science or the uh the knowledge should be there to improve your FTP from this. Uh, so yeah, thanks again to Jason for the topic idea. I think this was a great discussion. And once again, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, we have maybe haven't covered it yet, or maybe could stimulate some good conversation, uh, let us know Twitter or email or even the contact form. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Uh, also, if you like the episode or you like our show and you want to support us, you can give us a review. You can give us a, a like or a subscription, any of those. It just helps other people find us. Uh, even a share on social media would be great. And uh, we can continue to grow uh, and help more people enjoy this sport as much as we do. And hopefully get more good questions and suggestions from listeners so we can have really great topics like this one. I think it's actually fantastic, Jason. So, hey, Jason from Twitter, thank you for making us think about this. And Jason, thank you for uh, pulling together the resources and the thought into this because this was super interesting. So I think that's all we have for this episode. As always, thanks for listening. And until next time, keep the rubber side down.